0: power
1: So the question for you and I is are we willing to follow Jesus? Through the narrow gate, on the difficult road, with not a lot of people, but that is the road to life. And every single one of us, we have to make that decision one time, ultimately, for our salvation, by putting our faith and trust in Jesus, the narrow gate, entering the difficult road, the life of faith. And what makes it difficult is spiritual warfare, the world of flesh and the devil.
0: Jesus gives us two options in today's message. On one hand, we can choose the wide gate, which comes with an easy road that the world approves of. In the end, it won't satisfy and may lead to destruction. Pastor Daniel encourages us to choose the other gate, the narrow one that is Jesus. This path won't be easy, but we will have Jesus walking alongside us. And in the end, we will find abundant blessings and rewards for our choice. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part one of his message, It's Decision Time. Jesus is
1: real. All right, let's open up in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 7. As we continue our study, our final study today in this series that we're calling Growing. Now, just to kind of give you a recap, we're doing a larger series, Pastor Bill and I, called The Mission, where we are relaying the foundation of this church over each one of the entrance doors. It says, knowing, growing, and showing. That is our mission statement as a church. We believe it's a good mission statement for our lives, that it's simply to know God, By knowing him, we'll grow into the likeness of Jesus Christ, and that as we grow into the likeness of Jesus Christ, the outgrowth of that will simply be displaying or showing the character of God in the world. It's a simple mission statement. It's the way God has been using his church as long as we've been in existence, So we did knowing, we went through John chapter 13 to 17, looked at specifically what does it mean to know God? How does Jesus talk about us knowing God? And now we've been looking at Matthews 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount, which is how do we grow? What does it mean to grow deeply? And today is our last message, is we're going to take the last half of Matthew chapter 7, and it's interesting how perfect a sermon Jesus can weave. Sometimes we think, you know, he's the son of God, but the Sermon on the Mount is a perfect message. It's flawless in its content and its delivery. We've seen Jesus telling us what it means to be a child of the kingdom by being poor in spirit, by being meek, by being merciful, by hungering and thirsting after righteousness. We've seen Jesus encourage us to be a light, to the world and to be the salt of the earth and to let his light shine in our lives so bright that people would see how we live and they'd give God glory. Then Jesus brought us to God's perfect law and he unpacked to us the reality that murdering is really a heart condition played out. That adultery is really the lust of the heart in full bloom and action. He culminated this great section on the law by telling us to be radically subversive in being extremists in love, that we should love our enemies and we should bless the people who curse us. This way of life and following Jesus is so different from anything you'd hear anywhere. You can't find a business book that will teach you this. You can't find a philosophy that tells you you should radically love humanity even when they're against you. And then Jesus moved in Matthew chapter six to teach us about what it means to be pious in the eyes of God, that when we pray and when we give our charitable deeds and when we fast, we don't do it for people. So people would say, oh, so and so, so spiritual. Wow. Look at them. Really. Holy man. Holy girl. Instead, we do it as unto the Lord, and as we do it as unto the Lord, the Lord sees it, and he rewards us with his presence, with us seeing the work of the kingdom being birthed in the world. And Jesus knew he wanted to give us a whole new economic structure, that we should treasure things in heaven, not things on earth. He told us we shouldn't worry, but instead we should seek. Instead of worrying, we should stay in the present moment, because God knows what's going on, and then... Pastor Bill and Pack for us That we shouldn't judge That whatever measure we use It will be measured back to you I heard one Bible teacher say it this way It's as if God has a little MP3 recorder Around your neck And every time you apply How someone ought to live To someone else It's recorded for you And then when you get to heaven You stand before God He's going to be like Okay Let's see how you're doing. He plays you back each way you told someone how they ought to live and then he measures you up next to it. That's rugged, isn't it? Because if we're honest, the way that we measure people up and the way that we live, we give ourselves abundant grace and we hold everyone up to strict justice. We give ourselves the benefit of the doubt. We give everybody else, man, you got to get it right the first time. And so the reality becomes is that whatever measure we use, God will measure back to us. And because of that, we all come to God in need of God's grace because we all fall short in all these ways. And then to close out this Sermon on the Mount, now Jesus takes this whole teaching and he applies it right to us. And I've called this message decision time. It's decision time. It's now time for each one of us to make a decision about what we're going to do with these things. Now, what's also interesting in this decision time, because you have four little sections here, and in each one, you have two options. There's four sections. Each one gives us two options. And so we have to make a decision. Now, really, this end of Matthew chapter 7 scandalizes the average American's mind today. I've been scandalized. It's a good word. The teachings of Jesus scandalizes the American mind because we've all been raised in America since the 60s to really believe that all ways are okay. They call this pluralism. And part of it is because of the information age. We have more information at our fingertips. And with the internet and TV, which are not bad things, we have information and wisdom from all over the world. And it comes right to our doorstep. And we've been taught, well, listen, you can't really believe that any one of them is absolutely true. You can't believe in exclusive truth. To really explain this, most people would use what is a a kind of a classic Hindu parable of the four blind men. You ever hear the story? There's four blind men and there's an elephant. I'll tell you the story if you've never heard it. It's told from the perspective of a king and this king is watching these four blind men and there's an elephant in front of them. And they tell one blind man, so what do you see? And he reaches out or what do you feel? And he touches the trunk and he says, oh, it's long and bendable. So what's in front? This is long and bendable. And then another blind man, well, what, what is it? And the other blind man touches it. He touches the leg and he's like, oh, this is hard. It's not long and bendable. It's hard and strong, immovable. And then another guy grabs the end of the tail. It's like, oh, it's a little Nothing. And the parable goes, so to speak, all of these guys are blind, so nobody really knows what the truth is. And it's really used to say that no religious belief is actually true because everyone's blind. Have you guys ever heard that? Now, you know what's funny about the story? It's used to say that no one can know the absolute truth, but if you notice the story, and anyone who tells you the story, the story is narrated by the king. Everybody else is blind except for the king who sees. Ironic, isn't it? So the person who's telling you this is saying, look, your take on exclusive truth, it's wrong because you're blind. I'm the only one who really sees. And my belief that it's all good and no one knows the truth, that is the only privileged truth claim. It's kind of arrogant, isn't it? They're actually saying your arrogance is displayed by this parable, but they don't realize that their position is just equally as arrogant. They're saying you believe in an exclusive truth, Christianity, And I don't, I believe in religious pluralism and my truth is the only correct truth because I'm the only one who sees clearly. Wow. And what's interesting is, and if you ever share your faith and someone says that to you, and I'm sure there's some people in here today who you believe in that parable of nobody really knows, but you realize you're saying that everyone's blind, I'm the only one who sees and that actually betrays your own pluralistic belief. There's no such thing as pure pluralism. So what Jesus does now is he takes all these things he's saying and he makes exclusive claims. Look at it. In Matthew chapter seven, beginning in verse 13, it says, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who Find it. So here we see two gates. This section teaches us something very simple, and that is that we should take the road less traveled. We should take the road less traveled. It's fascinating. We have two gates, two roads, two crowds, and two destinations right here in this little thing two gates, two roads. Two crowds and two destinations. And Jesus says, take the road less traveled. There's two gates. There's a narrow gate and a wide gate. And the implication is, is that the gate that is wide is more inviting to walk through. How many of you, when you go to the airport and you got a ton of luggage, do you try and find the smallest turnstile to go through or the widest one? I remember when I was living outside of New York when I grew up and I was playing the upright bass and you'd go into the subway with your bass, which was crazy in itself. But like the turnstiles in New York City were for people in like the 40s when everyone was like half as big as they are now. And then you have this enormous bass. And so any good bass player knew that you just went up to the window and said, hey, can you open the service entrance? So you didn't have to try and lift this upright bass up and squeeze. You suck your gut in and squeeze through this turnstile. Jesus said, listen, don't enter by the wide, don't enter by the broad gate. The easy way in, enter by the narrow gate. Not only that, notice the difference in the roads. The narrow gate, the way is difficult. But for the wide gate, broad is the way. So if you enter by the narrow gate, your road is going to be difficult. But if you enter by the broad gate or the wide gate, then you're going to have this expansive road. But notice, on the broad way, on the wide road, you have a lot of people. There are many who find it. On the narrow road, the difficult way, there's few who find it. But the key to this gate, road, and crowd thing is the destination. Because look at what it says in verse 13. For broad is the way that leads to destruction, but many find it. And in contradistinction to that in verse 14, difficult is the way that leads to life, and there are few who find it. So the question for us today and the decision that we have to make is, do you want to go into the wide gate, take the easy road where everybody is, and that leads to destruction, Or are we willing to enter by the narrow gate? The way is hard. There's not a lot of people on that road, but that is the way that leads to life. So the question for you and I is, are we willing to follow Jesus through the narrow gate on the difficult road with not a lot of people, but that is the road to life? And every single one of us, we have to make that decision one time, ultimately for our salvation, by putting our faith and trust in Jesus, the narrow gate, entering the difficult road, the life of faith. And what makes it difficult is spiritual warfare, the world, the flesh, and the devil. What's fascinating is there's not a lot of people on it. And then ultimately, it leads to life. So we have to make that decision one time, which is, in a sense, making a decision unto salvation. And if you haven't done that, if you're choosing to enter by the wide gate of public opinion, American culture, you want the easy street where everybody, you just want to be where all your friends are, that's leading to destruction. When I was growing up, my dad used to say things to me like, Daniel, if all your friends jump off the Brooklyn Bridge, don't do it. And when you're living in New Jersey, we know what the Brooklyn Bridge is. And that's just good parenting advice, right? If your friends are doing dumb things, then don't do it. So we have to make that decision one time onto salvation. But I want to also put to you that each one of us have to make that decision every single day to either lead the abundant life that Jesus talks about or just do American life with the veneer of Christianity. Because as I survey the body of Christ at large in the West, I find there are a couple of different camps. And one is, hey, look, just do American materialism, greed. Just live it that way. Build up treasures on earth. Don't stress out about Jesus. Don't be too serious about Jesus. Don't really say, hey, look, I'm really going to love people and I'm going to live self-sacrificially. Let's just live however we want to live and we'll just put a Jesus stamp on it. We'll get into heaven by the skin of our teeth and we really won't impact the world in Jesus' name at all. And I believe that most of Christianity in the West is that. It's Jesus veneered But it's not really the abundant life. It's not really all that God is for us in Christ. It's not really, Lord, I am so serious about who you are and what you are and how important this is for the whole world that I'm willing to lay down my life for this. So each one of us, I pray that we're all entered through the Jesus gate. But my also, my second prayer is that each one of us say, you know what, Lord? I'm not willing to enter by the narrow gate and then sit on the side of the road in Jesus' name. There's a way, I mean, people call it carnal Christianity. I don't even understand the term. It's an oxymoron where it's like it's Christian, but it's still carnal, as if that makes any sense. But everybody's trying to articulate the fact that you can make this decision for Jesus and enter by the narrow gate, but then live the rest of your life entering by the wide gate. So you have the veneer of Jesus, but I would call this making that decision on the sanctification that decision onto, this is me walking with God and I'm not gonna cut any corners and I'm not gonna pretend like this isn't a serious thing, but I'm really gonna do this. And I believe the only way for us to truly enter by the narrow gate, both for our salvation and by faith for our sanctification is to do it in community. To do it in community. Because there's something that happens when brothers and sisters walk together in community where you encourage and exhort one another on to good works where somebody knows you well enough to see you entering by the narrow gate by believing in Jesus but sitting on the side of the road and not growing at all and would to God that each one of us we engage in true relationship that we don't think of church as just a feeding station kind of like burgerville we just go in you get your burger and then you leave but you come and you get your burger and you sit down and you become part of what this place is And what's awesome about a church this size is that nobody can say that there's not opportunity. But it's decision time, brothers and sisters. It's time to say, look, I am going to enter by the narrow gate and I'm going to keep going. I want that life destination and not the destruction destination. Now in verse 15, look at what happens next. It says, beware of false prophets, and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. So before we had two types of gates, now we have two types of fruit. And this section teaches us something very simple. Be discerning to follow fruit. Be discerning to follow fruit. Now, remember last week, Pastor Bill said, He explained to us, Jesus said, judge not lest you be judged with whatever measure you use will be measured back to you. And he unpacked what it means to be judge. And that judging in its sinful is what's in our hearts when we think we're in the judge's seat. Now here, we're told to beware of false prophets who look great on the outside, but on the inside, they're ravenous wolves. And he said, you will know a tree by their fruit. So Jesus is not encouraging us to judge other people, but he is saying we should be fruit inspectors. You will know a tree by its fruit. I think this is important because we live in a day and age. And I talk a lot about the day and age that we live. And I do that because we're so entrenched in the day and age that we live that oftentimes we don't really think too much about what we're experiencing. We live in an entertained culture. So what goes on within spirituality, within Christianity, is people look for people who are entertaining. Now, I'm not saying that entertaining is bad, and I kind of think I can tell a pretty good joke from time to time. But the reality is, is God doesn't want us to follow someone who is charismatic. He wants us to follow people who have character. Most of us are willing to be spiritually entertained by somebody who is charismatic, And it doesn't much matter what their character is. So we need to be discerning what is the fruit of somebody's life. And you want to follow somebody who the fruit of their life is good fruit in the eyes of the Lord. Now what's interesting is good fruit is not necessarily drawing a crowd. If you think about in the Old Testament, If you were to do an evangelism conference, Jonah would be called because when Jonah preached, the whole city of Nineveh got saved. But Jeremiah wouldn't get the nod because he preached for a long time and practically nobody got saved. But if you know your Bible, who was faithful to the Lord? Whose heart was right to the Lord? Jeremiah, right? Jonah was all mad, grumpy, running the other way, getting swallowed by a whale getting barfed up on shore, preaching. Everyone gets saved and he's mad about it. Now, don't get me wrong. Jeremiah and Jonah both get saved by the grace of God. But the reality is, as most of us would say, man, I want Jonah for my evangelism conference. Man, God uses that guy, but his heart's a mess. And then there's Jeremiah, the weeping prophet in jail. No one's listening to him. God has hardened the people's hearts. But Jeremiah's heart was right towards the Lord. So listen, you guys, we need to make sure that we are not impressed with charisma, but we are looking for character and that we are discerning to follow fruit. See, these false prophets, their issue was their own self-interest They came, they looked great. They were in sheep's clothing. But inwardly, they were ravenous wolves just wanting to devour. Jesus says, you will know them by their fruit. And then he gives a great little picture. Do you gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? If you have a great orange tree in your backyard, do you expect that thing to put forth onions? No, right? Rose bushes, do you expect a rose bush to put forth grapes? No, right? It's a rose bush to put forth roses. You will know them by their fruit and would to God that you and I would follow based on fruit. Now, people always say then, well, what's fruit that we should look at? We should pay attention to the manner of living someone shows. What does their life look like? How do they live?
0: Jesus is real. Today's message revealed ways to live out our Christian life. It can be hard to navigate this world as a Christian. Pastor Daniel reminded us that with God's help, we can avoid those who claim to believe but have nothing to show for it and stand for God even when the world opposes us. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram have become a regular part of our everyday lives. And we want to be sure to encourage you to check out Pastor Daniel's Facebook page, Twitter feed, and Instagram. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow the links. Pastor Daniel shares two-minute video messages throughout the week on his Facebook page. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow Pastor Daniel. Thanks, Tracy. We also want to encourage every Jesus Is Real Radio listener to prayerfully consider supporting this ministry. We've purchased time on this radio station, and this message has been professionally produced. This all comes at a cost. For anyone who supports Jesus Is Real Radio with a gift of $25 or more through the month of August, we'll send you a handmade leather bracelet with the word real on it. This bracelet was designed to be a helpful reminder to pray for Jesus is Real Radio. Check out Jesusisrealradio.com and click on Partner to support Jesus is Real Radio. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time as Pastor Daniel urges us to make a decision in our walk with God. There is an adventure waiting for each of us that God has created but we need to make the choice to follow his leading. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio.